welcome to the first ever episode of the Country Boys Cinema Club. It's me, Huddo, and John is joining me once again for the first time ever to our inaugural podcast. I'm very excited. It's it's going to be great. The only podcast in the world that has two white guys talking about movies with a catch, however. It's only Australian films. And look, we're not, like the, we're, we're not like the city folk, you know. We really don't know a lot about the outside. We're built tough, you know. We 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 come from another, another, basically another world to these people. That's right. We're pretty insulated here up in the bush, um, but that does not mean that we don't love the art of and the thrill of the motion picture. Now, today we are going to discuss a beautiful first film, one that I was very excited to rewatch. The Rover, directed by David Michaud, one of our all-time greats and all-time favourites on this potty. Um, but before we get into that, because this is our first episode, I'd really, really like to chat to you, John. What made you fall in love with the motion picture, the art of the screen, if you will? So I think it all goes back to when I was a little young tyke. Uh I think the first movie I ever remember watching was, this is the old, uh, me and Hutto are from the generation where we still had the VHS, VHS tapes. Mm. They, um, they were just being phased out, if I remember. Yeah, I, w- I really wish I held on to some of them, but uh, this one in particular, this was the, I think it was 2003 or 2004, Steve Owen, Crocodile Hunter Collision Course movie. Um, no way! You, no, you're capping. That's that's not real. I I, I think, vividly I've remember that, that as well. Movie. I've I've seen that movie more times than I can fucking count. And I think wow. even as a toddler, I had the biggest boner for uh, Kate Meehan. <laughs> I think her name is. Oh, yeah, for right. That. Uh, but yeah, that was the first movie I remember. It made me fall in love with Steve Irwin and movies in general. Um, and since then, it's just been, you know, a whirlwind. You know, I think my first wow. Mo15 Plus movie was. Uh, District Nine, um, oh, and what and picture. what what a what a what a, what a movie to start off with for MA fifteen plus, mm. another classic. Well, Unfortunately, we won't be discussing it because it's made by Australian. a filthy South African. So, well, I don't know about filthy, but ah, no. go off, King. But yeah, I, I, that's that's very interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a huge oversaturation in the podcast market, and even more so in the film criticism. Uh, podcast market it seems like every man on the project seems to have his own movie podcast um yeah i I don't know i (laughs) i i think to um set us apart uh obviously having different perspectives um to other people and obviously not being a filthy city city slicker sets us apart and gives us a bit of a different insight so i hope we have we have appreciate we have an appreciation for the sort of what we refer to as mateship and uh blokeism just just boys being boys these these are certified bloke movies the kind of movies you would show either your uncle your father maybe your estranged cousin all the above Mm. yeah that's right i mean Obviously, we're not endorsing uh, toxic masculinity by any means, but I mean, I just think there's a different way of uh, thought that a lot of people can kind of read into these movies. And there's a certain sentimentality that gets lost in the city, I find. Um, mm. And yeah, I think I think a lot of these movies would pass the pub test. So if you chuck these movies on at the pub, you're going to get some. You might not. Some of them are a bit, you know, left of field, but I think you'd still get some avid watchers if you did. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, life is a lot slower up here in the country. 
you know, rolling hills, sunburnt sky, all that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're animals by any means. Um, we're not. We're not all monsters out here, like Waking Fright would suggest. But yes, I digress. I mean, one question before we get into this riveting discussion about one uh, David Michaud's masterpiece sophomore film, The Rover. Can I can I ask, John? SBS late night films. Did that oh. have an impact on you? Like it had a. You know what? Astounding impact on me. You jogged a part of my mind because in my uh, formative years, uh, going through little old Johnny, going through puberty, um, 2013 Mm. to 2016, I'd say, was uh, the golden era of SBS2. Before it became Viceland, before Mm. SBS World Movies, that that TV channel had some of the best programming. Oh, my Lord. Like like some of my favorite movies and TV shows of all time were shown on air during that time and it not only uh, aussie movies but uh foreign films uh foreign which tv will not shows. be discussed we will not be discussing them but they were still great and yeah sbs2 that was that was the place and i think mm. sbs world movies and even nitv uh, are sort of the last stronghold of good tv programming although sbs world movies they do chuck some absolute bloody uh stonkers on nowadays just to fill up time mm. but nitv mm. actually has a pretty good track record with um great old aussie movies yeah no i, I absolutely agree there i mean uh, if you watch sbs world movies now it's kind of like oh okay do you want to watch amelie again for the ninth time this <laughs> week but um I, I i must concur i genuinely think late night sbs and to a lesser extent abc2 exposed yes. me to the thrill of the motion picture. And it, it really hit me at that formative age. I, I honestly can remember so many great movies I watched for the first time. The Paprika, uh, this oh. beautiful Swedish coming-of-age, uh, extremely horny film, Turn Me On, God Damn It. Wow, that was a masterpiece. And so many great movies I watched, watched for the first time there. And that includes... A little film called Animal Kingdom, mm. directed by David Michaud, of course, the director of this week's pick. Now, John, what is your relation with the beautiful director, David Michaud? Do you well, like his oeuvre? Oh, mate, I think I think he sort of nails uh, on Aussie cinema in its rawest form because he mm. big focus on cinematography. Great understated characters um, and just, you know, just genuine sort of performances and genuine good screenplays. Like, I really can't fault him. Um, you know, you could mm. say, oh, he's a little bit too depressing, but it's, it's Australia, mate. It's a, it's a hard country and this, this man's telling the real stories, you know. Mm. And I mean, definitely that was a wave in Australian filmmaking up until, well, we're still kind of in it. Very depressing, bleak suburban dramas or crime capers, which also almost was kind of crescendoed by the release of Michaud's uh, Animal Kingdom and Justin Kurtzel's terrific film Snowtown. I think those two uh, movies kind of ushered in a more darker tone 
to Australian storytelling that was mainly at that time reserved for uh, television series such as Underbelly. Mm. But Dave Michaud is not without his stinkers. Whether mm. it's the King that Netflix released, which I personally really liked, really liked. I really, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. it I think I think I heard a lot of very harsh, unfair criticism towards uh, the historical accuracy. But you know, like some mm. of the most successful films of all time are not historically accurate. Let's look at Titanic. You know, uh, mm. uh, what's Didn't that happen. bloody one? The Mel Gibson one, um, Braveheart. You know, like mm. I think I think it was great. I think it was a great performance by Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Rob Pattinson, who... Our guy. Our guy is also in this movie. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I actually really enjoyed that movie. Joel Edgerton, another great Aussie Terrific. actor who... Terrific. Who, as we know, was also tragically blasted in the bloody face in Animal Kingdom. Mm. Pour one out for a fallen soldier. Yes, sir. I mean, quite frankly, yeah, I, I as, as much as I enjoyed The King... The worldwide reception did not seem as positive. And additionally, I don't think it made as much money as people thought from its cinema release. Um, but a bit of a stinker, in my opinion, in Michaud's uh, filmography is a, a movie that only came out seven years ago now, but is often forgotten about. And that is his film with Brad Pitt, War Machine. Have you seen this motion picture? I have not even heard of this one, Hutto. I should have done I my think research. It was, I think it also was a Netflix one. Maybe uh, his production company had a deal with them to release them. But yeah, what can I say? It's an absolute bore. It's a snoozer. It's a stinker. Even Brad Pitt's charismatic performance cannot save this one. I sort of, I sort of tarnish on, on an otherwise spotless record. Mm, I agree. And who knows, maybe that was studio interference or meddling by the production companies or the distribution. But personally, uh, War Machine was not for me, which is really upsetting because he had one of the greatest runs in cinema going from Animal Kingdom to The Rover. And I'm sure the hype for his next film would have been absolutely uncontainable. Yet here we are. But then again, it, it's not for me. Maybe there's people out there that are really enjoying it. Some of you Cobbers listening. Perhaps, perhaps you're Michaud heads and you like everything he does. I think, I think no matter what his two most recent films have been, he's worthy of uh, a, a star on the Australian Walk of Fame. I don't know where you'd put that. Maybe on Surfer's Paradise. Maybe nope, out of the valley. It's going up in Cairns. It's going, it's up, going up in Cairns, right out the front of Gilligan's. He definitely deserves a star. And uh, so, we'll, should, we, should we get into it? I think we should, but before we get into it, we are going to play a little snippet of the trailer to get you up to speed, but I expect everyone listening to this has done their, co- their homework and, uh, of course, watched this film before our discussion. So we are going to play a bit of the trailer, and then we're going to get into David Michaud's 2014 film, The Rover. It's over for you. I know that. Whatever you think's over for me was over a long time ago. Let's go! Come on, come on, come on! Find the car around! We're not turning around, he's gone! What do you mean he's gone? He's my brother! And well, what a trailer that was. Extremely interesting. 
I feel like most. I feel like a lot of them don't really do it justice. You know, like there's some there's some of my favorite movies. I try and tell people about them. I show them a trailer, and it's just a absolute snooze fest of a trailer, or it Mm. reveals too much. You know, Um, but don't don't judge a book by its cover. It's a great movie. Oh well, we're we're out with the rating already, John. We can't. We got to save oh. that for the end, brother. Oh, but oh mate, we David wouldn't be Ma- talking about it. I, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't a great movie. Oh, I don't know. I've got some, a few stinkers planned up, but but David cool. Michaud's 2014 film, The Rover, starring Guy Pearce, Robert Pattinson, and Scoot McNary. Uh, oh. Wow, what what a picture! I mean, to really summarize this movie without spoilers, it involves a main character who we don't know the name of until the credits whose car gets stolen by people trying to flee after a robbery goes wrong. And quite frankly, there's not much else that happens after that. But also, everything happens. We're not going to spoil it. Maybe we might go into spoilers at the end. I think we should. should. I, th- I think I think with this... Full spoilers? It's, it's, I think it's it's such a ripper of an ending but that we can't help but talk about it, you know? Mm, and, I think and, that it deserves a segment of its own, honestly. And and so this universe, Hutto, uh, it's set in... I, I've heard it described as a Mad Max sort of universe, but I don't think that mm. really does it justice because it's a lot more grounded, a lot more realistic uh, than mm. the Mad Max sort of universe. Even the first one, it's a little bit more grounded. And honestly, looking at it today, it has aged like a fine wine because honestly, this movie could be set in 2023 for all we know. You know, it's... it's Wonderful. I mean, absolutely. I agree with you there. And quite frankly, I know it's uh, supposed to be post-apocalyptic or um, obviously there's still traces of society there, but it is post-apocalyptic. But really, it just reminds me a lot of current day Broken Hill. Um, yeah, I, this could honestly be a documentary. Yep, it's just a documentary from out west, really. They just followed, they yeah. just took Guy Pierce out there and they're like, mate, we're just going to shoot a doco. You, you do you. And it just all precipitated from there i suppose yeah i mean i gotta be completely honest i really felt uh wrapped up in this setting and i was so happy that the film didn't begin you know if this was a netflix movie or an american release it would have had three different uh title crawls explaining exactly Mm, how the world fell i love that it just begins 10 years after the collapse it's not uh it's not uh, re- referred to, we, they don't discuss it. Obviously, there's brief, pe- briefly times where people talk about it, but mm-hmm. realistically, uh, I think it's a very wise choice by the writers to ensure that the characters stand on their own and then defined by their actions in the film rather than what has happened before uh, the, the the camera opens. I think one of the things that keeps us so grounded is they don't they don't go ahead with the whole bullshit Hollywood method of speculative technology. You know, I just I just mm. rewatched uh, another great movie, uh, Children of Children of Men, last night, and mm. um, I think another one of the things that keeps that movie so great is they just keep it very very chill with the with the future tech sort of stuff. You know, there's no flying cars, there's no very realistic. You know, hover pads like. It's that, and that's that's another thing. This movie, I don't think there's a single part of this movie where you see any kind of future tech. Which is, honestly, let's be real. Technology has sort of ground to a halt. We sort of hit, we sort of plateaued, and I, I, yeah. I think, I think we sort of hit the peak. So I think this movie sort of hit the nail on the head with that one. 
Now, John Omas asks, what is your relationship with this film? I mean, when I had seen it previously, but I had completely forgotten everything about it. I, what I what think, did you think about it uh, on your first viewing versus your rewatch? I think I saw it. I think I pirated it, sadly. Uh, you'll have to forgive mm. me, Australian film industry, but um, I'm a simple man. I'm living up in the far reaches of Cape York. You know, I'm using up my monthly allowance of bandwidth just to, just to talk to Hutto right now. So I, um, right. I, struggled, I struggled to see Australian films in cinema because, you know, often that's the, the sad reality is uh, the majority of independent Australian films are only shown on a limited release in the capital cities. And as or a country boy... Even sorry, at, sometimes just at film festivals. Yeah, uh, a lot, yeah, a lot exactly. of the time they don't even get a wide cinema release. And in sometimes, and most, and most times, not even Aussie film festivals. It'd be a can or something like that, you know. Mm. So we don't no, really definitely. have much of a choice. But I think us talking about how much we appreciate these movies and going to see those films that are released in our area, as going to see them as much as we can. You know, we're doing our best mm. here. You know, we're mm. doing our best, Aussie film industry. I'm- I mean, uh, one of the recent ones that I've I remember seeing was driving two hours to watch Dry the uh, the Dry rather, and because I really wanted to support interesting Australian filmmaking, and I I I I, I agree with you. I think now it's gotten a lot better with streaming services like Stan really focusing on original Australian content, yes, and yes. also uh, trying to catalog. Cat- catalog um a lot of these older movies that really weren't on streaming services for years they were all oh, hard yeah, to and find that, and that and you'd be hard to you'd be hard pressed to find someone other than me and huddo that have bloody seen these movies like the well, so, some of them Australian. that we will discuss i mean oh yeah oh, oh, but in yeah, this in this some- vein um you know of of recent independent aussie movies i think i think they're severely underappreciated Mm, I, I agree. Now back to back to the rover. I mean, the performance and the performances uh, in this film blew me away. Particularly Guy Pearce and Robert Patterson. Wow. Let's can we just digress on Robert Patterson for a second, right? So this came out 2014, about a year after the fir- the last Twilight movie came out. What I think this is the jumping point mm, where he definitely. goes. I want to be taken seriously. And although he's got a strange American accent in the film, it makes sense in the universe. Yeah, oh, it's it's honestly amazing. Um and I know you know everyone's seen uh Good Time and The Lighthouse and mm. they, they've they think they know uh obscure Robert Pattinson cinema, but this was really the movie that kicked it off. Um and what what a start, you know. This is this is I, I really liked him in this, you know. He um No that that's right. Uh, if you think if you thought that you couldn't understand Robert Pattinson in the Lighthouse or in Tenant, just you wait till you hear this movie. He was a real old man and lady, Vernon and Claire, his brother and sister, and they lived on this land that was all overgrown. Like can't even tell what they farmed, so overgrown. <laughs> he really puts on he, he puts on the southern jaw, but it's it's very believable. It, uh, in case yeah. you weren't aware, Robert Pattinson plays uh, a mentally handicapped. Uh, bloke in here he sort of looks like an american essay uh perhaps um and he (laughs) he he pulls it off very well so he is a member of the gang which initially steals the main lead guy pierce's character's car but during 
uh, all the kerfuffle that takes place just prior to the film, he is left for dead. Um, and, and, and the two embark on this kind of cross-country whirlwind expedition to retrieve his car. There's, and, there's something yeah. Robert Pattinson really loves about being alone in a remote place with another man, <laughs> hey? That's we've right. We've had the no, lighthouse, I, now, we've, well, now we've got this, you know. Yeah, Is he trying to tell I, us something? I don't I know. I agree. And I, in the fir- when we first meet him, I found him so unlikable. Oh, and, absolutely. Because you really, yeah, you don't know anything about him. But as the movie went on, I, I said... Oh, I was kind of thinking, is this going to become like a franchise? Is it going to end and they're going to have continuing adventures? Is it going to have... And and it doesn't, uh, spoilers, but um, (laughs) I was really, really liked these characters um, who have this strange... They're strangers when they meet and the the lead uh, guy, Pierce, has every reason not to trust him and to leave him for dead, but they Mm. keep... Uh, going apart and coming back and showing that this loyalty really can't be bought. It, it, it's yeah. the actions, it's the hearts of men. And I, I really thought that. I thought, And, that and they, you really buy uh, the, the, the relationship that they build because it's not, it's not like, a, oh, they're best buddies, like a you know, buddy cop drama or something. It's a no, very they slow... barely talk. Yeah, yeah. But you can sense that you can sense at the end that there there is definitely a strong tie there by the, by the end, and I think this movie really shines in its not only its main characters but all the little side characters. So in this universe, there's sort of been a third wave of Aussie immigration, and basically all the mines are the only thing that this country has left. Which is damn, that's telling you something. Um, mm, but the, there's a there's a good. There is a lot of ethnicities in this movie, Hutto. I mean, they, they really hit all the diversity boxes, you know? Like, um, Yeah, got, but it, got it's, it's very realistic. Yeah, it is. It is. We've got Asians. We've got Americans, uh, Africans, um, Aboriginals, uh, white fellas, you know? The whole, the whole shebang. It's, it's a good little potpourri they got yeah, going. Yeah, I, I, I hate to sound like one of those guys, but it doesn't feel forced at all. It feels so realistic. It doesn't. So, it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense going back to the the world and why there's so many people living in the middle of these small impoverished outback towns. I mean, there's the scene when they're they're, they're driving and you see the Chinese or uh, Asian train that has all Asian letters. It, it kind of shows. So something's happened. We don't know what it is, but uh, these other com- these other countries are coming in and still profiting off natural resources, and it seems. Uh, if if what the what we are shown is that the Australian government or what's left of it or the military is allowing this as it might be the only way out. Um, I know that during the film, Guy Pearce is captured and is they say well, we're going to take you to Sydney. So it shows there's some sort of society government still functioning. Whether that's across the country, we don't know. But yeah. it, it, it really interestingly has some very interesting parallels to modern-day Australia. It does. Where, it does. Where, and there's a lot of throwaway yeah. lines that sort Adani. of allude to this. Um, like with, with that, how, they, uh, how he's sending him away to Sydney, you think, why the hell would they bother? He says, he says, why would you bother? Just shoot mm. me in the head. And he says, I'm just doing this to fill my quota because I want to get paid. You know, mm. so I think so it, it shows there's some sort of society, some sort of structure, and of course, some sort of uh, capitalist kind of motif in which people are still just doing their job. They're getting on with it, while other people are just forced to 
do whatever to survive. Yeah. And so I've tried to piece together what this sort of uh, event has been. And I think, I think sort of similar, this is where I think the Mad Max parallels come out. I think it's been a slow decline. You know, I think it's a number of factors. Mm. It's not some, I don't think there's been some great big invasion. Um, I think, I think there's just been some sort of slow decline. And um, so now you've been drawing in all these people from around the world just to work in the mines. And that's why we've got Robert Pattinson as a character who's got a Louisiana sort of drawl. Um, mm. Brothers with Scoot McNary. Um, so let's talk about Scoot for a second. Um, wow, I think, Scoot, I think what a name, what a guy. What a name. Um, if It sort of suits him as a person, you know. I, what do you think he's like as a normal bloke, you know? In everyday life or in this film? In everyday life, because you know how people sort of play the same characters... Mm. As their personality. I would like to not think that Scoop McNary is a wanker, but he tends to just play a lot of wanker characters, you know? Well, the only thing I remember him being in is uh, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, I really can't recall any other performances off the top of my there head. There was that great movie, uh, Monsters, another SBS2 oh. classic, uh, about the sort of alien invasion in Mexico. Um, and he's got to traverse up with a female to get to the U.S. border. That was a really good one. And he wasn't too much of a wanker in that one. Um, but so in this movie, Scoot McNary and Robin Pattinson are brothers. And Hado, I'm going to put this to you. Um, right. Would you rather look like Scoot McNary and be all there or look like Robert Pattinson and be, you know, half a time? <laughs> I, I mean, current day Robert Pattinson or in the film Robert Pattinson? Because in the film, my God, is he greasy? He's gr- oh, um, everyone is grotty in this film. You know, yeah. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce here. I, it's I actually, I've, I rewatched this movie the other night and uh, it finished up and I flicked on the TV and I was changing the, the channels and what was on but Prometheus. Um, also, wow. Guy Pierce featuring in that, uh, looking like an old pickle in that, like mm. no, no, no semblance to any real human. And I think, I think this movie with its limited budget did a much better job of making Guy Pearce look like an old disheveled man than bloody Prometheus, mate. So that's telling you something. And I think it really just is the wear of the outback. I mean, you've got to think about it. These guys were filming in the outback in South Australia, 40-degree days, I'd imagine, you know, dust, sweat, dirt, and I think it really helped them embody these characters. But to answer your question... um, I, I don't know, Scoot McNary, I think, because he looks the cleanest and he seems to be having uh, a good time. But what I am really happy about this film, it doesn't do flashbacks. We don't know no, what no, their relationship was, but besides what we're shown, obviously, but Scoot McNary, I kind of wish he was in the film a bit more to kind of make this uh, end crescendo, this final act where they're, they're tracking them down and, and getting trying to get revenge. Uh, Guy Pierce's character, obviously, for the theft of his car, and um, obviously Robert Patterson because he was left for dead. But I just wish we saw a little bit more of their relationship prior to this, so it had a bit more emotional weight. I, I have to agree with you there, Hutto. But you know, what? I think Scoot McNary—he—he's only in it for a very, very short runtime. But his performance in that time is so top caliber that I think it really sells it. Like he—you he, can mm. see. You can see the emotion on his face, you know. He's definitely a very talented and underrated actor, I think. I think he has—he definitely has the chops of being a leading man. I would really like to see um, his range 
as as a lead. Um, but going on some of the notes that I took in my viewing, I've got a couple. Go ahead. The first one and the most pressing one, where do they keep getting fuel from? Yes. So uh, you, you know what? I did the maths. So they buy so in this movie they're only they're only, everyone's only using using US currency. So I've just used, compared with Australian dollars. So it's not precise. But there is a scene where uh Guy Pierce's character buys a twenty liter jerry can of fuel for fifty US dollars. Now that's two dollars fifty a liter. Um that's that's cheaper than you'll be getting up at bloody Bamaga, mate. So this mm. movie very well could be set in 2020. Now, for what we know. Well, that's that's the thing. With this unknown time setting, it's future. It could be alternate time. We don't know, but I, I found it very interesting um, that they only accept U.S. currency. It kind of just shows may, maybe the Australian currency has just gone to shit because of this collapse. Um, and another note that I had was. Uh, the use of a term that I have not heard um, for a long time, and it is half wit. Oh, now, yes. what a great, what a great film where uh, a great moment where Guy Pierce gets frustrated and, and calls Robert Patterson a half wit. But do you think he was always handicapped, or it was a result of the brain injury when he was left for dead? Uh, I think no. I think I think he was always handicapped because uh, as at the start when Scoot and his little gang are driving away, uh, we fi- we get a line of dialogue from the great, the the great one of the most underrated this, Aussie yeah. actors. Is this the David bloke, Field? The blokiest bloke you'll ever see, David Field. He's yes. in the back oh, and he says bravo. he says about in referring to Rob Pattinson's character. He says, "Oh, if he is if he was a man, he would have been able to take care of himself." So I do think. That wow. Robert Pattinson's character has been this way his whole life, sort of thing. It kind of raises a question: then, why would he be? Why would his brother let him enter this space, this badlands? But I'm sure there's speculation. Maybe he just didn't want to leave his brother behind. But yeah. wow, David Field. Let's talk about that. What a guy! What a performance! Again, really only in the beginning and end, but. He has a very powerful, commanding performance, and I've I've liked everything that I've seen him in, and I wish he was in more. I think I think he just every every movie or TV show I see him in, he steals the scene. Um, mm, uh, it's whether that whether, voice. It, whether it's whether it's that character that gets slipped by a chopper in the great movie Chopper yeah. that Hutto hasn't seen. Um, we'll be getting onto that. that one. We'll be getting onto that one in the next few episodes. Um, but also. Uh, where else? Uh, the Moody's, um, A Moody Christmas, another great, great uh, Hutto and John favorite TV show. Um, mm. Plays an old bastard uncle in that. Um, but yeah, David Field. He just, he's just got, you know, he's also in he's Animal Kingdom. David Mashod's other. Fi- he's he's David Mashod's guy. He is the two Daves. I, I think I think he's he's when when you need someone. I think David Mashod knows. We need an older man. He he really is kind of like how uh, he, he's the he is the old uncle, you know. He, he's he's everyone like the knows a guy like him. He's the embodiment of like a typical sort of Aussie bloke, you know. Like mm. I think him and uh, Ben Mendelsohn share the sort of same 
are just inherent genuine blokiness about them that you could never it's you in could the never eyes. wrap it up like it's in the eyes he does have that sort of mongrel look about him you know he looks like he would fucking try smash you at the pub for not for not shit like buying him a beer or not 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 give him a, him a light or something you know like you wouldn't want to meet him in a back alley that's for sure mm. No, so I, I, I agree, I, and and he's terrific in two hands as well. Which I don't know if you've seen that, but we will have to. Oh, do that. It's a terrific. I film. have not seen two hands in a long time. Oh I saw. God. I was I was very surprised because I saw a lot of um, recent talk about two hands, and I was like, I think because it like, was on Netflix. It was on Netflix, and that sort of. I think they've put it on Netflix. Yeah. I hate to sound like a like a bit of a you know, um, party pooper, but you know it's. It always is a bittersweet thing when a, when a great Aussie movie gets put on Netflix because you're sort of happy that people are appreciating but, it but at the same no, time. I, 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 you know. I, I remember one of the segments you raised was to do um, like a memorable line and I, to be honest, I was thinking, fuck, how, I'm, how am I going to find that? And I did not expect the power that a single line could deliver until I actually watched this film. comes about maybe three-fourths of the way through the film when he is captured by uh, an Australian army officer and he says, what feeling do you have when you wake up in the morning and your feet touch the floor? What feeling do you have when you wake up in the morning? When your feet touch the floor? Or before that, when you're lying there thinking about your feet hitting the floor? What does that feel like for you? And the way that uh, Guy Pearce's character delivers this line, it gave me chills, I think, it's a standout line. That's my pick for the standout line. And I think I think you know what? the the range and the depth of his performance. Because because a lesser a lesser movie, you know, they would have said, oh oh, you know, like, you know, what what's your purpose in life? That's basically what he's asking. He's asking this mm. this uh, army soldier. Are you happy with what him. you've done? Yeah, like what drives you? You know, why why do you keep doing this? You know, like what what's 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 your purpose? And the army soldier basically rebukes him and says like, "Oh, I don't fucking care," and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? No, mate, I don't. You don't? No, mate, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's such a such a very memorable moment, um, where Guy Pearce's character also first time he reveals a bit of his backstory. Um, Mm. Should we should we spoil that for the viewers or for the coppers? I think we 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 we, we yeah we, we will, but just briefly, I want to touch on Guy Pearce's performance in this film. So I think in the hands of a lesser director, he would have much more exposition and he wouldn't be as fearsome. I mean, you really don't know what this bloke's going to do next in this picture, but. I, I want to just talk about that opening scene, that magnificent opening scene where he does not say a word. And especially when he is following his stolen car, in lesser directors, I'm sure we would have heard him say, hey, give me my car back. But yeah. I'm very glad that he doesn't do anything. The intention is clear as the viewer. We know what's going on. We know what he wants. And he we know just by his silent, methodic glance, the way he's looking... He's not going to settle until he has found it, and he and he gets he gets the the car that uh, the reason his car gets stolen is because the gang that are on the run uh, they crash their car and they get it bogged and they're unable to do it. But obviously, Guy Pearce's character he's been up the telly track, you know, he's done his fair share of four bean and he gets it out in the bloody jiffy. <laughs> and we're treated to one of the most unconventional car chases I think I've ever seen. It's just Guy oh, Pearce yeah. following, following, slowing down. 
speeding up, yeah. slowing down, and crawling. It's it's something wow. something very very tense about it. Yeah, no, you're right. It's all it's dread. It is complete dread, and it's almost a reaction to non-stop fast action uh, chase movies, like maybe like something like the Fast and the Furious franchise or something. But oh, definitely, it yeah it it the the power that he performed in this man. I, I got to be honest, it, it was enthralling. I thought he was a the standout. Robert Patterson was also terrific, and the collection of other characters in the gang and the people that we met, met along the way, I thought they were all really, really strong. Um, I think, yeah. I, personally, I wish we had more time with. Uh, some oh, of the definitely. Form. Yeah, that's that's the bittersweet thing about this movie. You you sort of want to see more from these characters, but you just know that that a sequel would not do the do it do justice you know it's, no definitely the, the story's sort of wrapped the up the story's um, done yeah yeah but that that's that's the best thing about a movie when you when you watch it and you feel that longing for more you know mm. okay i think before we go to to our spoilers we should give this movie a quick rating john i don't I, i'm springing this on you so i'll give you time to think but personally i'm going to give this movie a four out of five i i think the performances was great direction was great but for me, um, I, I, I think that the, the fact that really drags it down is that after that exciting opening chase, the movie kind of just slows down a bit. And I understand yeah. it's supposed to, but uh, I, I really don't think I could give this a repeat viewing. Like I could watch, you know, maybe something like yeah. Animal Kingdom again. That's, th- this, um, this movie is a slog, you know. It, it, is, it, is, it is, slow, is a long And slog. it is just over 90 minutes too. Which is insane to me. It's just over ninety minutes, but it feels like it's two and a half hours. Oh, and for that, yeah. I really can't give it um, a recommendation for a casual viewing. I think you have to want to watch this movie, and but also then you will get more out of it. Um, so oh, I'm definitely. viewing it a five. Uh, sorry, uh, four I, out of five, rather. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was going to do out of ten, but I was going to say eight out of ten. So if you math fans out there can do it, you know we got the same rating. So I think I think I agree with everything you said there. But I think I think at like an eight's deserved just because of the very unique uh, atmosphere and universe that this movie builds. You know, and mm. and just just drawing on that, um, I want to talk a bit more about sort of the extras and and the characters you only see for a very very brief scene yeah. but but they're so memorable and i think it's because partly because of their appearances because some of these blokes, oh my god they look, there's a scene where uh rob Panson goes in to buy something and the the shopkeep says oh we got tins of shit and um just oh, buy that's, something. that's guy pierce uh guy pierce my my apologies um and it looks like they've just got the two methiest blokes from Caboolture they could find and chucked them in, chucked them in a movie. And it and it just it very much sells the universe. Um, Man, and just build I, it. Sorry that 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 creepy family that Guy Pierce finds. Oh yeah, yeah. With the creepy grandma and and yep. what I really like about it is these people exist now. If you go to Brisbane mm. City and walk around, or Sydney City and walk around, or even in uh, like extra areas like uh, western suburbs or you know far out from city centers you will find these people walking around and it's but these people just look like they've eroded oh man it was quite it they've was honestly just quite horrific worn down by the desert winds you know they've just mm. and they, they, they've got no they've got bugger or water they can't have a shower they just scrub themselves off in the sand mate man and and i, I especially when you see that juxtapositioned uh, juxtaposed rather later in the film 
when Guy Pearce's character and Rob Patterson visit the military base, the, these people are clean, they're clean-shaven, um, you know, they've clearly been eating well, they're not skinny, withering away, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and there's characters such as the little person, uh, the Asian gang uh, that he runs in with, I mean, yep. yeah, I, I, I really think that the, the casting on the extras uh, kind of adds to the world, and also, they're really uh interesting interesting to kind of discuss what these people were doing so you mentioned the little person so i want to talk about my favorite moment in the movie and if if we haven't sold you already you need to watch this movie just for this one scene because it had the balls to do what no other movie did and that is shoot a midget in the bloody head mate it was spectacular so robert uh guy pierce is going to purchase from some guns from a man of shorter stature um he doesn't have $300. The bloke says, if you haven't got $300, fuck off. And he gets absolutely minced. He gets, it looks like a bloody oh, watermelon explodes. And it's so unexpected. And I just can't help but laugh my ass off when I watch it. Well, I don't have 300 US. You have 300. You don't have 300, you can fuck off. I think... Uh, I, I know what you mean. I mean, things like that really do add to the, like, this weird nature of the world. And what another criticism that I have is that maybe this movie is more fun to be discussed than actually watched and, you know, come up with theories on why these people... Like, we know there's rampant uh, prostitution, uh, as is one of the characters says, I've got boys for sale, young boys or something. Um, yeah, there's, you know... It, it really is no holds barred um, on how horrible this world is. And I'm really happy that uh, David Michaud uh, kind of doesn't hold back on showing how disgusting and depraved this world really is through dialogue and 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 actions rather than explicitly uh, ex- exposition oh yeah definitely and so i don't, I don't want to i don't think i'll spoil the ending i think i think one of the best things about this movie is you're wondering why on earth does guy pierce want this car back so much it's just a dusty old bloody hilux you know like what's so special about it um and at the end of the movie, uh, we we understand why. Um, mm. And I now, think without I think, spoiling it, without without spoiling it, sorry. Do you were you satisfied with the ending? That's what I, I was. I was because yeah, you know you, we, you you sit through this movie and it is like we've said it is a long slog and and it's a very unexpected sort of twist at the end. Um, but one done in a very tasteful sort of very true Aussie way. Um, Mm. And, you know, when, and on the good thing, I think this movie is the kind of movie you probably is best, best watched uh, maybe twice, I think, because when you give it a second rewatch, you do get little hints, very unexpected and very subtle little hints as to um, the twist at the end, um, just in a few scenes. Um, but it's, ah, oh, it's, 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 yeah, I think, I think watch it twice um, and then ruminate, <laughs> you know? Dwell yeah, on definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I mean, I didn't really want to spoil the ending, just because no. I honestly think that reveal kind of makes the movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if definitely. that, if, if if you know, if that movie had an unsatisfactory ending, I think I honestly would have given it maybe a three. But yeah, um, I, I I really liked the ending. I really like how it kind of does leave things a little bit open. Um, yeah. It kind of reveals more about this character, why he's doing what he does. 
Um, it really, it really is. It kind of closes that circle on this little adventure, and you know, who knows? Maybe in five years we'll have a Rover TV series or something. Oh, um, and guy, pick- I bloody I, hope I, not, I, mate. I would not mind that though, and I'm going to say why. I don't want to see fur- the further adventures of Guy Pierce, but I would love to see something maybe five years before the setting of this movie. Actually, that is I- true. Maybe things aren't exactly apocalyptic, but maybe they are. I would, I, I would really enjoy that, um, that kind of in between, like maybe like a not a prequel, but a different, completely different story in a completely different part of the country. I, th- I, I think, think I think, yeah, I, I think I agree. Like sort of something in the same vein of this, and I think um, that Martin Freeman Aussie movie, uh, recent zombie flick, Cargo. Uh, cargo i think i think that sort of fits in with this universe very very well although there are zombies involved so of course it's different but it definitely has the same sort of vibe and it does share the same uh actor in the military man um mm. who plays a obsessive husband um old fella by the name of something or other um he just recently made that god-awful zach efron uh movie gold um and i think this movie must have inspired him because jesus they caked Zac Efron in makeup and dust and grime for that. I think that's that's mm. basically the premise of the movie. Just like let's get Zac Efron looking grotty, and that was all. That was that whole movie, really, wasn't it? I'm not sure mm. if you've seen no, it yet, Hutto. I've not seen Gold yet, but I, I I look forward to seeing it. I've got nothing but Stan um, ads on my phone, and I've seen it on TV for this Gold film, and maybe I'll give it a watch. Maybe we'll do it on the pod, but yeah, honestly. I mean, I I have no further thoughts. I do want to see something more from this world, but I absolutely do not want to see Guy Pearce. Yeah. His but let, let's let's keep in mind, um, David Michaud films being turned into TV series hasn't exactly had the best track record with the American really? adaptation of Animal Kingdom. Uh, I haven't watched it. I don't want to watch. It. I've seen the film like three times. I don't need to see. That's, five that's seasons. me. You know, I don't know the first thing about it, but I've seen so many terrible american adaptations that i just know that they can't do it justice and i think one of the best things about david michaud films is that they're australian like that's that's mm. such a key part of the movie it adds to that, it so much yeah you're that right when you take it out when you take animal kingdom out and you put it in you know chicago like it's just an it's just another crime tv show it's not mm. it's there's nothing there's nothing special about it you know yeah definitely no i agree with you there john and especially where kind of that suburban sprawl, especially in films like Animal Kingdom, that that kind of itself becomes a character. And mm. I, I know that's hack to say, but you know this these landscapes are so iconic that it almost creates a character unto itself. But yeah. quite frankly, we're taking up too much time already. I wanted to get to an hour, but I think I have nothing more to say on the film. Let's do a little segment we like to call the Jackaroo Award. Where do you see this? Ten years, you've got a family, you've got kids, hopefully. Um, where do you think this movie will stand in the Australian film canon in ten years' time? Do you, I think, I, personally, it's going to be looked on extremely fondly, and I think it's going to get better with time. I, I do think... I think even now it's aged very well. Um, and I think by that time, Robert Pattinson will have racked up about ten Oscars under his belt, um, and people will be able to see, look back at this movie as the moment where he really came into his own as an actor. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think I'll think i give this to my oldest. Uh, he'll be about 
14, 15, I think I'll tell them, um, I saw this movie around your age, mate. You, um, yeah, I, I think I was around the same age too. Maybe a yeah. bit older, but yeah. I'll, I'll no, be I telling them. I that's a good be... age to watch it. And then you kind of lament on it and come back to it and you can kind of dig into a few more nuances. That's if, that's if China hasn't um, turned Australia into a post-apocalypse wasteland already. But if it has, even more uh, reason to watch the movie, mate. Mm, that's true. Maybe they predicted something's right, something's wrong. We'll get your apocalypse bingo out and lament on it. But, John, i got to be honest, great discussion as always, fella. Um, le- this is a point of the show where... I want to discuss what film we're going to do next week. And mm. I believe it's my turn. So It is. It is. I, I chose I chose The Rover because Rob Pattinson is hot shit right now. Um, he just released mm. a Ripper Batman movie. I mean, we won't discuss that too much, but I, I quite well, enjoyed it. I haven't it. seen it because I refuse to watch American films. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm yeah. just a filthy little yeah. traitor, so, yeah, sorry. But, um yeah, I've got um, I got to go round up the cattle, Hutto. So I'm gonna have to let you go soon. So you tell me yeah. what your pick is. My pick for next week. I'm very excited because it's one that I don't think you've seen, and that is the incredible film, The Infinite Man. I have not seen also that. Also, 2014. It's a very hard movie to find, so I'm going to have to send you the DVD, honestly. I think that might be the only way for you to watch it. Um, but it is in an, an incredible film. It's so interesting. Um, a little independent Australian film from about 2014, if I remember correctly. Um, it's one of my favourites. I remember falling in love with it but as I saw the trailer in 2014, and I have loved this movie ever since. It is a science fiction movie. It's about time travel and paradoxes. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it, and I can't wait to discuss it with you. Are you thinking of Predestination? No, it's called The Infant Man. You, it's, wow. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's beautiful. It's... Um, it's it's a little bit hard to find, but I what think is what is with what is with twenty fourteen and the year for for independent Aussie time travel movies because uh, I I think straight of predestination when I think of that. But uh, all I'm saying is, unlike predestination, it's not a bloody stinker. <laughs> but yeah, I've got really Sarah Snook. Oh, don't, even, don't you can't even say that, really, brother. Oh, I'm gonna oh. start But um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this episode of the beautiful Country Boy Cinema Club. And I'll see you all next week, Cobbers. I'm excited. I'll catch you there then, yeah? Too easy, you know mate. Fight. Your death's going to come real soon. Stop thinking about a life you've taken. I'm surprised you pay for taking it.